Blog Talk Radio. Me, 
Wow. Can you believe that? 17 years ago today, the formation of the NWO, one of the greatest factions in wrestling history. Giving you a little bit of history right there. Thank you for tuning in. This is the Ken Reedy Show, the best in pro wrestling talk. Go over, check us out on Facebook, facebook.com slash the Ken Reedy Show. We're on Twitter, at the Ken Reedy Show. And as always, you can check out our website, thekenreedyshow.com. We're very excited to bring you the best in pro wrestling talk. As always, I got my tag team partner on the line. Dave, how you doing this fine Sunday evening? I'm doing wonderful. Uh, you know, closing out the 4th of July weekend with uh, the best in pro wrestling talk. I wouldn't have it any other way. Sounds good. You know, it was, it was interesting listening to that promo to start the show. It is one of those things that I think for wrestling fans, it's one of those uh, those moments. You remember where you were when Hulk Hogan turned and uh, formed the NWO and then really sparked, uh, in, in some people's opinions, uh, maybe the best era in professional wrestling, in, in the history of professional wrestling. Uh, the Monday Night Wars unfolded, the NWO running roughshod. Uh, it was just a really fun time to be a wrestling fan, uh, a time in Hulk Hogan's career that uh, he should be proud of and was probably very happy and was living high on the hog, but... As as the decades have rolled on, um, not the best of times right now. And we've talked on the show, and we've said it numerous times that we're objective on the show. We don't like to bash the product. We don't like to bring in the negativity. But this is going to be one of those shows that what's happened over the course of this week, what we've seen over the weeks as of late, what we've seen out of TNA there's a lot of negativity. Uh, Hulk Hogan over there in TNA. Perhaps he'd like to go back in time 17 years ago and be able to relive the formation of the NWO. But things not looking that great within Impact Wrestling. And uh, the latest, uh guess, bad news to, to occur this week. Uh, a number of firings. Um, just, just, Dave, things not looking good over there in TNA. Oh, there seems to be uh, a lot of disarray and a lot of confusion and uh, not a whole lot of direction. I mean, you know, they 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 let go of – I mean, there were some releases a few weeks, you know, about a month or so back, uh, Alex Silva, Doug Williams. Um, but now there seem to be more, you know, just in, in one day with, with, the, with most of the gut check uh, performers. Um, Sam, not, excuse me, Sam Shaw was not released. I made a mistake on that in my report on the Facebook, uh, Kennedy Show Facebook page. But, yeah, Taylor Hendricks, Christian York, um, Joey Ryan was let go. Um, and, of course, news broke out about, you know, uh, a lot of wrestlers not getting paid, um, owed, you know, back pay is up to six weeks um, with TNA. Uh, so a lot of disarray down in the, uh, the, the, the developmental camp in Ohio Valley Wrestling, um, you know, with, uh, with with some of the trainers and, and the structure and the talent down there. Um, and the in-ring product, you know, or at least I, mean, I wouldn't say the in-ring product, but the, uh, you know, the, the writing that's that's portrayed on television seems to seems to be not a whole lot of direction. Just overall, I don't think they're really they're, they really have a, a, a set idea of um, 
of you know a conclusion of as to what they want to do. Um, they they have an idea of what they want to do, but they really don't know how to get there. Um, it seems like they're just you know throwing throwing mud on the wall and seeing you know what's going to stick or not. Um, yeah, it was it was a very interesting week for TNA. Um, not good, not good publicity, but you know sometimes bad publicity. You know. It gets it gets attention, so that's that's where it seems to be, you know, in TNA in TNA's case this week. Yeah, let's. I mean, it's it's really difficult, and, and you know, so much bad news. And let let's try and break it down because uh, you know it's stuff. It's interesting stuff, and uh, there's a lot of aspects of what's going on in TNA that warrants conversation. You brought up a first off gut check, and you know, look. The concept is great, and and you, you love to to see uh, you know something like that. Pluck a, a young, new, fresh indie face, pluck him out of the crowd, and uh, give him a shot on on the big stage. You know, a very very rocky kind of you know Apollo Creed finding Rocky, uh, you know, training in a freezer somewhere, and bring I'm going to give him a shot at the heavyweight title. I mean, it's it's. It works well for, you know, drama, uh, gives uh, wrestling fans a chance to see new, fresh faces. The gut check thing works, in theory. In practice, (laughs) and I found myself watching Impact on Thursday and when they were doing their gut check thing, I, I, I almost, I just wanted to, like, turn it off. I was like, this gut check now, as much as conceptually I thought it was a good idea, it was something different. It was a chance for us to see new, fresh faces on TV. Um, but it just was like, all right, yeah, so you're having another gut check, and, and really, who cares? Um, when you had three people involved with gut check, we're all part of the... Uh, releases uh this past week um you know i guess you could say joey ryan got a a little bit of a push but uh christian york and taylor Hendricks, i mean didn't really do much with them so uh we had all the issues with the voting on the internet uh you know we had steve off on the program an up-and-coming wrestler who talked a bit about being in the gut check challenge and how there was a lot of uh shenanigans if you will going on with the voting process so as much as like on paper and i think that's a lot of what you see with impact that there's some good ideas on paper and somehow the the process of of bringing it to fruition somewhere in that process things just fall apart and if you're not going to do this gut check thing the right way then in my opinion just Scrap it at this point. I mean, there's just been so much crap surrounding everything to do with the gut check. It just doesn't work for me anymore. And, you know, after his release, Joey Ryan uh, conducted an interview uh, that's been circling around the Internet. And, and Dave, being our news guy, researching and uncovering every ounce of information out there, uh, Joey Ryan had some interesting stuff to, to say about the gut check challenge, Dave. Yeah, he um he mentioned that uh you know he, how he got into the gut check challenge. He knew um TNA writer Dave Lagana who was who also was one of the head writers for the WWE at one point. He knew Dave and uh Dave gave him uh you know 
uh, a recommendation to Al Snow, and Al Snow said, "Yeah, we're gonna we'll, we'll use you for gut check. So come on down." So they went, and uh, they, he went to the he went to you know Impact and competed in the gut check on you know on television. And they don't really tell you a whole lot from what he was saying. Um, they try to make it as shoot as possible, um, but he had gotten some uh, some positive feedback from. Uh, from Eric Bischoff and uh, Hulk Hogan, they said they both told him they liked his look, they liked his work, it was something different. But if they happen to tell you that you don't make it, at some point down the line in the future, we will use you and we will, you know, sign sign a deal with you. Um, so he kind of had a feeling that they were going to lean towards telling him that no, he's not going to win the, you know, win that gut check. Uh, segment or what have you um and another reason why he felt that way was because when they did the very first gut check it was with um alex silva and rick flair was one of the judges and apparently rick flair went against the script and voted alex silva to receive a tna contract um which kind of got things off on the wrong foot for this gut check theory um for tna television and so he felt that they had to tell him no just so that it could look legitimate to other wrestlers out on the indie scene that, oh, this is real, that they're putting this out on television. Um, you know, he got rejected for a contract, but at the same time he also felt that he knew he was going to be working with them somehow. And then, like, the following week he mentioned that Al Snow had uh, offered him a contract. One of the other interesting things, too, that he had mentioned was that, um, like he said, he didn't. they don't tell you a whole lot about the gut check, uh, you know, theory. So when he was going into the backstage area, there were cameras all over the place and they were filming everything. And, you know, Al Snow and him were in a heated argument. and It was something that wasn't like planned or scripted, but he just kind of went along with it. And the cameras were rolling. And then when everything ended, Bischoff pulled him aside and said, that was great. That's what wrestling needs to be about. Um, you know, I'm so glad that we caught that on film, almost kind of trying to play up like it was some sort of real-life tension between the two. But he thinks that the company kind of worked themselves into a uh, into a shoot. And, you know, a couple other points that he made was, you know, and this is, this is coming from him and, and also other stories that I've heard, which I'm not stating as fact, but the gut check winners, as far as I know and as far as from what he had mentioned in this interview, they got a guaranteed monthly salary, regardless of if, if they worked or not. They got a guaranteed monthly salary from TNA, and then they would get bonuses if they appeared on television and wrestled and worked house shows. Now, from what I understand, I don't know what the pay structure and the contract structure is like in TNA, but from stories that I've heard, and in all fairness to TNA, I've heard that some talent don't even get paid if they're not used on television. So TNA would fly some talent in, and if they don't have an idea for them, well, they're sitting around the television tapings, they're not getting paid for it, this talent. So it would be a waste of time to bring some of this talent in if you're not going to use them on television. Um, and basically these, these cuts were budget cuts made, especially since the company had gone on the road. Um, now that they're on the road, it costs more. They take two shows in one night. They try to structure it. If, if, if some of you remember, I mentioned a few weeks back that TNA doesn't, they, they're, um, excuse me, I'm kind of losing my train of thought here, but basically 
they try to cram, you know, four hours into like two and a half, three hours in one building. And when you watch the live version of Impact, like when they go to a new city that first week, it's really not live. It's like an hour in tape delay because they're trying not to burn the wrestling fans out that are in the arena of four hours of television and dragging it out all night, which is kind of a smart move on their part. But basically they're trying to do whatever they can to be as profitable as possible um, by, by, you know, cutting these people, taking impact on the road, but only doing two shows in one night, so to speak. So there's a lot of questions and, you know, that, that, that need to be answered in within the company and, I personally think that right now there's just a whole state of flux and confusion, and some tr- some decisions they're making I understand, but at the same time, if you're going to hire some of these talents like these gut check performers and you're going to put them out on TV in the gut check segments and then they disappear you don't ever see them again, then what's the point of doing all that? You've got the viewer emotionally invested into that segment with the person that had whether had won the gut check segment, and then all of a sudden they're not seen for on TV for like two or three weeks, maybe even a month, several months. So it just it, it kind of like you, you give something to the viewer, but then you take it away, and then they're nowhere to be found. But in reality, it seems like they don't know what they're going to do with these people, so they send them down to their developmental territory in OVW. And to me as a viewer, I, I wouldn't be too happy. You know, if I, let's say for, I mean, I like Joey Ryan. Okay, let's say if the outcome was different with the gut check, you know, and he won, and then they took him off TV for several months. It's like, okay, he won, the fans liked him, why aren't you putting him on TV? I just don't get it. Yeah, there's a lot of stuff with the gut check that just doesn't seem to make sense. And and, and like like you're saying, I mean, the, the stuff creatively isn't working, but there's also so much with the logistical running of it and the, the internet and the voting that just didn't work. I mean, again, and I'm curious your thoughts, Dave. I mean, to me, I, I conceptually I like it. I mean, I think it's it's a it's a good idea done correctly, and I don't know if TNA has the personnel to to correct it. Um, you would think they don't. And again, it looks like to a certain extent the company is, is scrambling a bit, but. Uh, I mean, my my thoughts is like, is is it just time to to scrap gut check? I would think so. I mean, to be honest with you, TNA has been known as a company for years where they they didn't release guys. They wouldn't, you know, they wouldn't let go of guys. They don't use them, but they would never let them go. There's a lot of talent on that roster that you don't see a whole lot on TV, but they're under contract to TNA. Why don't you use the talent that you have? within your company before you start bringing other talent in, or at least give them a shot. You know what I mean? I I remember a few years back, Petey Williams, you know, he's now back with TNA Wrestling. A few years back, he was with the company. He was a staple in the X Division. He was an exciting performer. He was a well-liked guy in the locker room. And then just one day out of the blue, they cut him. And everyone in the locker room was so shocked they didn't know why that they cut him. But they did. And, you know, he even mentioned, I saw a shooter interview with him a while back where he mentioned he didn't, there was no, their reason was, we have nothing for you. Well, as a a writer and a creative writer for, you know, television, whether it be a wrestling program or, you know, sitcoms or dramas, isn't it your job to, you know, you're paid to figure out 
what to do with a character. Isn't it your job to do that with certain people? You know, sometimes I don't even get that with WWE where they say, well, we have nothing for you. Well, think of something. You know, there's a reason. There's a reason why they are on the roster. They have enough talent where they are on the roster and to be on television. If you can't figure out something for that particular talent, then you should be losing your job. Not the guy who's talented enough to get a contract to be on television. That's the reason why they're on television and you're sitting in the back writing for them. I, I just don't get that sometimes when they give you the whole creative has nothing for you. You know, well, figure out something. Yeah, it's a, it's a weird kind of dynamic that you hear that in, in professional wrestling. I mean, you would never hear, you know, you'd never, you know, hear on Friends, you know, uh, yeah, we we, we uh, the writers came out. We really we can't think of any storylines for Chandler, so uh, sorry, we're firing Matthew Perry. You know, it's like you're you're a writer for the show. You figure something out if you have the talent. And and Petey Williams is a guy who's got all the talent in the world. I mean, you can't figure out something for him. So it is a you know, it, it's interesting, but yeah, I mean, I think we're in agreement at this point. If you can't fix it, it might be, you know, addition by subtraction. And, and there's been so much criticism surrounding the gut check. It may just be better off uh, uh, cutting the program. Like you're saying, Dave, I mean, if you have some talent on the roster that's being underutilized, well, cut the gut check challenge for now at least and, and use some of those guys on the roster more effectively. The time that you'll have on your program now that gut check is gone you know, try and use that time to help facilitate some uh, storylines for guys you're not really using. Um, but, you know, so gut check. So that's another one of the things. So we're talking about these guys getting released, a lot of talent getting released. Gut check's not working over there at TNA. Lots of issues. You know, we did pose the question on our Facebook page, uh, what would you do? And we, we asked the question, how would you fix TNA? Assuming that it's broken. And look, there are certain things that are working in TNA, but right now it seems like there's not a lot. Um, but we're going to go into some of the explanations here. Uh, Mikey Kanata, a.k.a. Mr. Trivia, <laughs> in capital letters, shut it down. So there is no fixing it as far as Mr. Trivia goes. Just shut it down. Marcus Kane says, pick a guy you created, not bought, and promote him. Stop buying stars and learn to make some. The talent is there. The writers are not. The creative is not. Start by fixing that, and the uphill battle begins. I think that is, uh, you know, good stuff from Marcus Kane. I'd be curious to know what uh, uh, Marcus thinks as far as, you know, uh, what talent he thinks should be used, and uh, if he would change some storylines. Uh, you know, I would love to even more specific input. What would you think? Uh, Stephen Token Munts writes, get rid of Hogan, Bischoff, Sting. Love Sting, but it's time to go. Bring back the six-sided ring and makes the X Division star, the X Division the star of TNA, not WCW, guys. Um, well, I'm going to address all these a little later, but I have my feelings on that whole thing. Uh, Sean Bretherick, a.k.a. Sean Dango. Uh, Interesting stuff here. He had a real good answer, a real thorough answer, but he said, if I had control of everything, I'd keep Hogan. Be more focused on gimmicks and performance before doing any type of creative writing. Styles, Rude, Angle, Storm, Joe, Aries, and Ray are your main draws. Allow talent to be booked in other independent feds, including ROH. Work together like they did with the NWA back in the early 2000s. If an alliance can be formed between TNA and ROH, as it can showcase some of their better talents of the independents, then they might have a shot. 
As far as the stories are concerned, you need to find people who can, one, carry out a story in the ring and on the mic, two, be consistent, and three, be willing to work house shows and sometimes be exclusive to TNA slash ROH. Built from there, who knows what happens. I, I think that's a very thorough, uh, interesting answer. Bob Arian simply writes, Steve off. Tony Scoff writes, hire Mr. Scoff as a manager. Some self-serving answers on the page. And uh, Dave, I'll let you go into your thoughts on it because you actually chimed in here. And uh, Steve Tokenmonsik again added, TNA is making the exact same mistakes WCW made, worried about what WWE, WWF is doing. And to make matters work, using the same people WCW did and made their mistakes. So, interesting stuff going on. I, you know, personally, I think that uh, Sean's answer was. Uh, I think he kind of hit the nail on the head. I do find it interesting that when you when you ask people around, you know, a lot of wrestling fans, their first answer is, you know, fire Hogan. That's that's a a, a common thread. And, and to be honest, and I'm not saying Hogan's gold. And all the time, and uh, and I get that like Hogan has not moved the the needle too much as far as the ratings go when it comes to Impact Wrestling, but I do think for the most part he's one of the few guys that they're using the right way. He's a GM. He's not in the ring, and I got a hard time thinking that when you have a sinking ship that. Your first order of business, let's fire the most recognizable face in the history of wrestling. I don't know if that's necessarily the best business decision to just fire Hogan. Now, it's tough. I don't know what Hogan's doing behind the scenes as far as his creative. And maybe his his role in creativity should change. Uh, maybe he should have less input. Um, you know, that's all stuff that, uh, you know, might be looked at behind the scenes. But... You know, Hogan as a GM, as a GM character, to me, works. Um, I do think certain other things, I think the the point about Sting, I think Sting, you know, is one of those guys. Like, I think Hogan should be the guy that's your legend. He's your legend. You, you want the recognizable face. That's the face you use. Whether it's it's firing Sting or really lessening his role, I think it was a positive pulling him out of the title picture. But... I don't need to see Sting in high-end main event type, the title sort of thing. Uh, I agree with that. I think you want to showcase some younger talent surrounding the title. Um, but again, I, I do find it weird that people jump on the Fire Hogan, and I, I don't necessarily. I think that's a quick fix. I think for whatever reason, you know, Hogan does elicit that sort of response from certain wrestling fans. But when I'm thinking in terms of business. And, you know, name recognition, uh, you know, I just firing Hogan, just, I don't know if that's like I'm jumping at that. Now, may, may, as far as cost cutting, if you're that desperate and just cutting Hogan's salary is really going to help you guys, well, then, you know, that's a different story. But as far as making the product better, I don't know if I jump right on the, the firing Hogan bandwagon. Dave, you had a lot to say as far as your plan or, or how you would choose to... uh Fix up TNA. What do you think needs to be done over there? Well, here's one thing that's all that, that's caught my attention with W with past WWE talent that had worked for TNA that you know now they currently don't work with them. Where they'd be interviewed 
and they would, you know, the the person interviewing them would talk to them about their time in TNA, and you know what they need to, what the company needs to get to the next level. And I've re- I've read interviews with Kevin Nash, RVD, Conan, and Christian, where they have all said they've been approached in airports or at autograph signings or just out in public, and wrestling fans would approach them and say, "Hey, man, where you been? I miss you from you know." WCW or from WWE or whatever, you know, why'd you retire? Where have you, what have you been up to? And they've all responded with, I'm on Spike TV, TNA Wrestling, every Thursday night at, at, at 9 p.m. You know, I've been there for two years. The marketing and the advertising, it's not getting out there to wrestling fans. You know, TNA's objective, at least from what I could tell, when they get these past names from the WWE to come over, and to, you know, give them a shot in the arm is to get that individual's fan base to watch their product. You know, Kevin Nash, you know, most popularly known for being in the WCW with the NWO angle, you would want to get that old WCW fan base to watch TNA Wrestling, and they don't even know he's on the program. They don't even know that the the company exists. They think that he's been retired. You know, same thing with Conan. And, you know, RVD just mentioned in a recent interview this week, you know, a couple weeks ago, where he said that, you know, for three years I've had to promote myself, uh, that, I'm on, that I'm on this wrestling program and I'm, in, I'm with this company because nobody knows that I wrestle for TNA Wrestling. You know? So it's the, the marketing aspect of it, and I'm no marketing expert, but if you've got big, recognizable names in the wrestling industry like that and your objective is to get an audience to watch your product because they are that big of a name and they don't even know that you're a part of your program, then you're doing something wrong. Another thing, too, you know, and Steve, was it Steve Muntz, uh, Token Muntz on the, spoke about it. He said that, you know, they've got to stop trying to be like the WWE. I totally agree with him there. You know, I think in certain they've tried to do some things differently and on paper and in theory, it kind of works, but the execution of it is terrible. Like, for instance, with the X Division, they've been trying to rebrand the X Division. They've been slowly doing it, and I like what they do, how they take the X Division title, and they almost use it like the Money in the Bank briefcase, but you have to trade the belt in, and then there's no longer a champion. I like that. But other things about the X Division, like every title match is a three-way match. I understand they want to make those matches exciting, but whatever happened to, like, a one-on-one feud between two guys, like, you know, that is what originally, you know, started in wrestling, you know, in years and years and years ago before both of our times and that's what you know has been the bread and butter of wrestling it's just two guys with a with a with a hatred whether you're a good guy or a bad guy you don't like each other and if there's a championship on the line it works now they're trying to reinvent the wheel where they get three guys in there and they got these set rules and you know it's it's sometimes it's hard for viewers to pay attention to it they just want to watch wrestling you know a good old-fashioned wrestling match they don't need you know all the bells and whistles it's nice every now and then but when you do it every week it doesn't come off special anymore. It's just see, it's just a regular thing, and I don't think it's catching on. The other thing about the X Division, and don't get me wrong, I love the X Division, but the the the, the X Cam with the referees. First of all, I don't know what that thing is they wear on their head, but it looks ridiculous. It looks like a sock with a, with a little camera poking out, sticking on their head. They look ridiculous. And then, you know, the, they they cut to the X cam shots, and you know, a referee will go down for a pin, and the camera's like faced like underneath the guy's armpit, or like in his, you know, like it's just 
get rid of that stupid camera. WCW tried it years ago with the referee cam is what they called it, and it was basically a referee wearing a hockey helmet. It looked ridiculous. You you looked dumb. UFC doesn't have cameras where they, you know, they have, they have their referees wearing cameras. You know, NBA, NFL, they don't have referees that wear cameras. Major League Baseball, the umpires don't wear cameras, you know. Don't do it. It doesn't work. If it doesn't work in Major League Sports, it's not going to work in wrestling. You know, and with all the tools and the resources that they have, with the talent that they have, they should be able to get over this hump. Back in 2005, when TNA was still growing at a very, very young company, they were in the impact zone. They didn't travel. They didn't do house shows. At one point, they didn't have a television. They lost their television deal, or their television deal ran out with Fox Sports Net in June of 2005. So for July, August, and September, and the early parts, yeah, the early parts of October for almost four months, they didn't have a television deal, and they were running pay-per-views and progressing their storylines through the TNA Wrestling website. And it was very popular, and they were getting pretty solid pay-per-view buy rates for being a company that was only two and a half years old, three years old. So if they can get past that, they shouldn't have a problem getting past this currently right now. What, to me, in my opinion, they got to be different than the WWE. The X Division used to be a big popular thing. Maybe bring guys like Joe and AJ Styles and those guys back to help brand the X Division to help put TNA on the map. The knockouts. The girls now, yeah, some of their storylines have meaning to it, but they almost just seem like a regular thing, part of the show, like how WWE has it. There's a certain place for them on the show. So the girls used to have higher ratings than some of the guys. I remember Impact once was Awesome Kong versus Gail Kim, the main event. They drew a higher rating than and the previous week's main event, and the following week's main event with the males. Doesn't that tell you something, that the, that, that the viewers that are watching your show are intrigued by your women's wrestlers because they actually wrestle and they're not like the WWE where most of the girls are eye candy and they can't perform a move and it just looks like, that the, it looks like two little girls playing in the sandbox in the playground when you watch WWE wrestling, you know, between the girls. It's ridiculous. These girls, the, the TNA girls, when they first started the knockout division, they knew how to fight. And they were in more than one segment, too. It wasn't like it was just two chicks fighting over a belt. You had Kong and Gail Kim in one segment. Then you had the beautiful people, the original beautiful people, terrorizing most of the girls in the entire locker room and being the, you know, the, the bullies of the, of, the, of the locker room, the heels. That's what was drawing, too. They were, those, those two, Velvet Sky and Angelina Love, were drawing great ratings for TNA for their segments. Yet they split them up. One of them's not with the company anymore. The other, you know, Velvet Sky, she had left because of some contract issues, but now she's back. Yeah, they're using her properly in the right way, I think so, as an underdog babyface. But you've got it. to me, work on what works best for you. That stuff in the past worked for you, okay? Why don't you do that again? Because whatever you're doing now is not working. And quit trying to see what WWE does and what makes them better and worry about what works for you. And, you know, another one of the you know listeners mentioned about, you know, properly pushing a homegrown talent and not a talent that you bought. You know, AJ Styles went through a great transformation, and it's been working out. But he's kind of fizzled off now, and he just seems like a regular guy on the roster. You know, I think there should be a lot of focus and emphasis on him. Personally, in my opinion, he's their talent. He's the only guy that's been there since the very first show. You know, 
Stick with the guys that brought you to the dance. James Storm, Bobby Roode, AJ Styles, Samoa Joe, Christopher Daniels. Those guys are what still keeps your product alive today. And I love Hogan with all due respect, but I don't think Hulk Hogan really, you know, helps a whole lot. He helps in name recognition and a public relations standpoint if the company's trying to branch out because you have an association with a name like Hulk Hogan. But, however, from an in-ring, from a product standpoint on television, he doesn't really help out a whole great, you know, a whole lot. His GM role is good, but he's too much of a focus in the storylines. You know what I mean? David Stern in the NBA, he's not, you know, involved in every single situation that takes place in the NBA. You know, he's not all over the TV. Neither is Bud Selig or, you know, Roger Goodell. But Hogan's everywhere. Hogan's got his fingers everywhere on that show. And I think in some cases it works. In other cases, I think they need to step back a little bit with him. You know, and him being a main focus and the and the lead baby face in the biggest storyline that they have with the Aces and Eights, and he's do, he's kind of doing it by himself, like without really any help from the roster. Like it it just doesn't make sense. He it, it looks terrible when to, to see him walk down the aisle. Do you really think it's believable that he's going to you know drop a boot in the leg on on seven or eight guys that are you know twenty or thirty years younger than him? I mean, come on. Yeah, I agree with you. I mean, maybe pulling back. I mean, again, I wouldn't fire Hogan. Maybe dropping back, pulling back a little bit where his role is. Uh, maybe, maybe being a, an objective GM instead of like smack dab in the middle of uh, the main storyline in the company. I think you know one of the points you brought up, which was really interesting, and I think that's what TNA really needs to look at, is you know using what works for them, but being able to brand themselves and and. That's what's happening. Wrestling is different nowadays. And way back when, you know, people had favorite wrestlers and would want to follow their favorite wrestler if they changed companies. Uh, I, you know, WWE right now is just, they're a brand. They're, they're a product. They're, they're a circus. You know, a lot of people like wrestling and WWE are synonymous. And, and you know, as much as like fans may say, this is my favorite wrestler, that's my favorite wrestler. But they're WWE fans because WWE has made themselves a brand. And people, fans go to see the WWE. They Again, maybe you have your favorite. Maybe, but I don't think there are a lot of fans, especially the families that go out, that necessarily, oh, I got to buy a ticket to see John Cena. I got to buy a ticket to see CM Punk. No, you're buying a ticket to go see the WWE. And what TNA is doing like you had said, Dave, they grab these this talent thinking, all right, you know, we'll we'll sign Jeff Hardy and we'll bring Jeff Hardy's fan base over to us. No. Because there's no such thing as a Jeff Hardy fan base. That's WWE fans. And the WWE fans are gonna wish Jeff Hardy good luck in his future endeavors and continue on with the WWE. And and TNA's gotta figure out a way to differentiate themselves to, to look at what works for them. And, and to brand themselves, to, to have pride in being TNA wrestling, and, and to brand themselves as, as that. Like, you want to come to Impact Wrestling because this is what we're offering as far as entertainment goes. And perhaps showcasing the stuff that's different, the X Division, the knockouts, would be something that works. I think also, you know, if you don't have the resources, simplify things. Maybe go back a little old-school vibe. You know, while highlighting the knockouts in the X Division... Just just do your old-fashioned good guy versus bad guy. Have your heels and faces. Get back to basics. 
uh, you know, maybe stop with the convoluted storylines. Because, and one of the things we've talked numerous times when you write a storyline, and this goes for movies and TV and wrestling, you write your finale first, and then backtrack. So there's a direction. You know what where the resolution's going to be. You know what the payoff's going to be. A lot of the storylines right now with that writing, it just seems like a, a ton of storylines start off like hot and heavy. Yeah, this is good stuff. This is new. This is fresh. This is exciting. And then it fizzles. And we could pro- and I'm not going to list all of them, but Dave, even you just said, like AJ Styles. We were psyched at his repackaging, and now it's like, all right, where, what are you doing with him? And, and this happens more often than not. So maybe it's simplify the writing, uh, you know, get a little more focused. If you're going to keep Hogan on as GM, pull him back a little bit. Be objective as a GM and uh, maybe showcase things that make you different from the WWE. Some things, again, lots of stuff going on with TNA, lots of controversy uh, going on, and unfortunately a lot of negative press going on towards TNA. But we're going to go out to the phones, 347-838-9815. Uh, you want to talk about something else? Cool, tell whatever you want, but uh, we're really focused right now on TNA. What do you think about TNA? How would you fix them? And we're going to go out to the phones right now because we got Tony on the line. Tony, are you there? Hey, Ken. Hey, Dave. How you doing? Oh, man. So, yeah, it's, it is it is a, too bad TNA is in the shape that they're in right now because I was actually, you know, I was at the county center last night. I had a house show there. And the show was the show was a lot of fun. You know, it was like the guys, you know, the guys put on good matches. You know, the main event was Samoa Joe and Jeff Hardy against Bully Ray and D-Bond in a street fight. It was, it was, and, and you know, and um, they had AJ Kazarian on there. And, and it was really, it was a really fun show. With TNA, and that's the thing that really kicks you in the ass with, with this company, is that for the most part, I mean, even on Impact, even Thursday nights, the wrestling, the between-the-rope stuff that you see is generally good. I mean, that's the weird thing. You don't have to, you know, you don't criticize TNA and Impact Wrestling based on what they're doing in the ring, and you go to see house shows, and generally... If it's a two, two and a half, three hour house show, you're going to get a number of quality matches in that house show. It's amazing to me that when you look at this company and how they're floundering, that the wrestling is not the problem. They have the talent. They put on good matches. It's just everything else is just really, really convoluted and confused right now, Tony. It definitely is, you know. Like I said, you know, it's like somebody, you know, it's like this, as far as you know, so, someone needs to get on the ball here as far as what they're doing. Like, you know, it's as far as like you were talking before about the whole, you know, like creative stuff. You know, it's like why, you know, why should that be the why should that be the talent? You know, why should that fall on the talent? You know, like like you mentioned about T. Williams and other guys. You know, it's like I mean, how I mean, how often for throughout the years we if we heard oh, go creative doesn't have anything for this guy and that guy. But they keep they, they keep the lousy writers, and they let the good ta- and they let the good talent go because they can't come up with anything for them. I mean, it's like it just seems so backwards. It's just you know, it's just so stupid. And it's like you know, it's like a lot of people don't know TNA exists, and it's like you know, it's like I say, someone in TNA or Spike TV or whatever, you know, needs to get their act together. And it's like you know, because it kind of sounds like feels like back when uh, there were TNN and ECW was on there, and it's like no one when uh, they were only advertising for ECW when the freaking show was on. Yeah, it's. It's, yeah, it's it's like uh, it's like how the hell can people watch a product if they don't know what exists? You know, here's, and, another, here's another thing that that popped up just in my head by you mentioning that Tony TNA, you know they they run in a lot smaller towns, 
they'll do some big markets like you know they did New York WrestleMania weekend. They were in Brooklyn this past weekend, but I've had TNA house shows come to as far as I know since they started doing house shows. They've come to Connecticut probably about three or four times. I have never, ever, ever seen a commercial once on television during wrestling for a TNA for tickets for a TNA house show. Not once. WWE, all over the place. Hell, I've seen WWE house show commercials during Impact Wrestling. Yeah, I, gonna, I have to let people yeah. know that you got a that you that you got a product and a, and a show out there if you don't advertise. I mean, I don't know yeah. what their budget is. I'm not an accountant. I don't know what the numbers are and what they can use and what they can't use as far as money goes. But, you know, especially if they're coming into the home base of the competitions, you know, of the, uh, the state where the WWE is located, and you don't advertise, I don't I get it. Yeah, it's pretty idiotic on their end. It is. And, you know, there's another thing you said, Tony, that, that struck me, and, and it's interesting, you know, you know, may, maybe they do need to flip the script a little bit. And, you know, you got like, and we keep we keep bringing up P.D. Williams. P.D. Williams got all the talent in the world. I mean, this guy, you know, we just don't have anything for you. Maybe maybe TNA needs to flip the script and say, guess what? We're not going to fire the talent. We're going to fire the writer. If you're, if you're going to come and say, I have nothing for this guy, find something or you're losing your job. Because we're going to keep the guys who's talented in the ring. So find something. Write something. If not, we're going to find a better writer. Uh, the idea of like you're going to fire, a, you know, a wrestler who, you know, is busting his ass in the ring and just, oh, I'm sorry, I, I have writer's block. I can't find anything for you. It, it's just, you know, maybe flip it around and tell the writers, you know, your head's on the chopping block right now. Find something for these guys. Well, yeah, I mean, that's kind of how it should be. You know, it's like you said, you know, like I, you know, it's like you say, I don't think any, I don't think any television shows. Uh, you know, operate that way like you were talking about before. You know, when you were saying, you know, it's like the t- like, you know, like a regular TV show. It doesn't like, okay, we're going to get rid of this character because the writer doesn't can't come up with anything from more form. It's like, you know, even like you were saying about the, the whole stupid thing with the X cam. I'd forgotten about that, but it was like, oh my god, yeah. Whenever they went to that, it was just like, it just looks so, oh my god, it just looks so stupid. And it's just, it's like, okay, like, what the hell do they need? That? Do they need this whatever on it? You know, the, this. Referee wearing a helmet with a camera inside it—it's it's like we just want to watch a freaking match, you know. And it's like even you know, it's like what made TNA, even you know, it's like TNA, you know, it's like if they want to do, you know, I mean, to get they got to get the name, they got to get this, you know, do a lot of advertising and get the name out there. Also, make it different from WWE because if there's you know, like a lot of fans who are like you know who who don't like WWE, you know, it's like a, you know, make make their make your product different from theirs. And, you know, it's like, because it's like in the early days, when they first started, you know, that was, the X Division is what made the company different, because it was, you know, it was, it was kind of like, you know, like a takeoff on the, on the cruiserweights, but they really, you know, they did a good job with it, and I, uh, I thought, you know, like in the early days, and now it's like, they're just throwing all these three-way, uh, these, these random three-ways out of nowhere, you know, just nowhere, it was like, I mean, you know, nothing against Manic or TJ Perkins, whatever his name is, but, you know, it's like, when, once they took him out of that three-way, you know, once he was out of the three-way, and, and it was just Aries and Saban, the match was outstanding. It was, yeah, it was just like, they, they don't know what the freaking hell they're doing here. And it's like, oh, yeah, we're going to put three-ways here, and it's like, you know, like, you know, it's like, just, you know, it's like, the same thing, keep it simple, stupid, you know, it's like, just, you know, it's like, this guy versus this guy, for, you know, this guy's got the belt, this guy wants it, they go at it, you know, it's like, 
just, you know, even, even if you're going to have a gimmick, have a reason for it. You know, it's like, don't just throw out, just, you know, like, don't throw out the freaking cage for, you know, for no reason, you know, whatever, you know, it's just like, you know, it's like, keep the, you know, it's like, give the guys a reason to want to beat the crap out of each other. You know what I'm saying? Exactly. And then, you know, again, I think for us as wrestling fans, it gets really frustrated because you, you look at a, a a very talented roster, you know, guys that, you know, I mean, you look at it and it's like, you know, they, they it should be a better product and, and, you know, quality matches. I mean, I mean, geez, you, you, really, you couldn't find something for Crimson. You really couldn't find anything for that guy. And That's it's just, it. It, it boggles my mind. Like, you, you couldn't. I mean, look at that guy. Couldn't figure uh, I mean, out something for him? I don't know, yeah, I mean, I guess after the, uh, the Goldberg streak ended, that it was like, duh, what do we do now? And, and then it's like they're wasting money on guys like King Mo and freaking Rampage Jackson. Are you kidding me? You know, it's like, what, 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 King Mo, they signed him, what was it, like last year or something? He's only been on like, what, twice? King, King, Mo, King, Mo's, a, King Mo's a waste. You know, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, it's like, it's like they're getting rid of the actual wrestlers, like the gut check guys, and they're keeping that guy. It's like, and and they brought in freaking Rampage Jackson. Well, let, well, Tony, Rampage Jackson's also a, a, a brand name in MMA, and they're trying to cross over and get, you know, MMA fans to watch their product. I can understand that because Rampage is a character, and he would probably fit well in wrestling. King Mo, I've I've never heard of him until you know he came out. You know, I watch a little MMA, but you know. He, he's he's not really a, a formidable name like Rampage Jackson is, so I can understand why they were to sign a guy like Rampage King Mo. That's a whole different story. But I like the point you brought up about the um, the W. You know, the, the, if people don't like the WWE, you need something you know for you know for TNA fans to to get invested in and have an alternative. Um, it, as far as the three of us go right now, currently, and probably most of our listeners, you know, we're hardcore wrestling fans. We'll watch everything. You know, like like Kenneth said before, you know, you know uh, bad wrestling it, it's it's on, but no wrestling is really bad. So, but from what I've noticed from talking with just casual fans, you're either you know a WWE guy or you don't watch it at all. Whereas the TNA fans, you know, they'll watch. They have like one hardcore audience. You don't have like a, and it's a small, I would say niche audience in some ways. You know that, that that just currently watch that product and to be somewhat defiant and be a part of something that's you know newer and fresh in some ways as opposed to a staple like the WWE that has been around. Um, that's something that I've noticed too. Where you talk to wrestling fans and say, you know, did you catch TNA? What's TNA? Who's TNA? And I watch WWE. Like Ken said earlier, you associate WWE and wrestling together. That's that you know that's most people you know that's what most people know. So it's it, it, there's got to be some brand recognition from them so they can get out and be more recognizable to a broader audience, not just their small fan base that they currently have. Agreed. Yeah, definitely. I mean, you know, it's, yeah, like you were saying, they got to do, they got to get it out to the, get it out to the, to the, you know, out to the masses to the public. And it was like, hey, you know, it's like, like I said before, you know, like we, you know, if you want to watch different wrestling, you know. Here we are, you know. So it's it's it, it is really, uh, it's, you know. And I, and I say it's it's you know because like I say I, I was at a, I was at the house show last night and like I say it was you know like it it, it was far from a sellout unfortunately but it was it was I mean it was a, it was a really fun show it's, you know which which really sucks I mean it really feels like it's like you know 
it's you know it's like it's you know you got the you got the good matches you got the good wrestling, but the, you know then, then the storylines and then the now the whole thing with the the finance situation or whatever it's like everything's everything's all in the freaking shambles it's it's you know it's like it's just, it's 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 really a freaking shame that that you know because I mean we've seen it happen with. ECW, WCW, and it's like if that happens with TNA and even Ring of Honor now, are they? I mean, they're in some big, they're in some problems too. But um, you know, it's like if we if we see if like we see these two co- these two companies going into two, it's like oh my god, we're, we're going to be back where we were in two thousand one. Yeah, it's a, I mean it's it's a shame right now. And again, I think for us as fans right now and and talking about it, you know. As a wrestling fan, I mean, I'm rooting for them because I think, you know, I think we all agree that competition is what's best as a fan. I mean, I would love, and granted, I don't see it happening, but whether it's TNA or ROH or Wrestling on Fire, perhaps, I would love one of these companies to grow enough where Vince is worried, Vince is concerned, Vince is realizes he's got to step up his game because... There's a threat on the horizon. I mean, that's something that I think every wrestling fan wants to see because that's that's when everyone starts stepping up their game. And, uh, you know, it's a shame to see what's going on because, and I, and I said it before and I'll say it again, the wrestling is great in TNA. The matches are great. As a wrestling purist, like once they get in the ring, that stuff's working. It's just it's a lot of the other stuff. Tony, thanks for the call. Tony is the best blogger in the business. Check him out on thekenryshow.com. Raw, Impact, and SmackDown blogs. We'll talk to you Tuesday, Tony. Yeah, absolutely. Take it easy, man. Thanks for the call. You do. Yeah, I mean, it's, you know, again, Tony's at the house show, and it was funny. The, 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 it was in White Plains, which is literally about 15, 20 minutes away from my house. I, I like, just realized last week that they were going to be there. Like, where's the advertising for that? You know, where's. I had no idea that Impact was was going to be there, and they're like, and not only is it like fifteen twenty minutes away from my house, it's literally about five minutes from where I work, and I had no clue that they were going to be there. So, you know, definitely think they got to step up their game as far as advertising. Three four seven eight three eight nine eight one five. We're talking TNA. How you want to fix it? We're gonna go back out to the phones because we got Mister Trivia on the line. Trivia, are you there? Hey, yeah. How you doing, guys? Doing all right. How you doing? Uh, we're doing all right. Just uh, listening to your show as I do uh, every Sunday and Tuesday when I'm not working. But, uh, yeah, this uh, TNA thing, I mean, you know, I agree with you guys 100%. It's, uh, you know, it seems like they're targeting the gut checks. You know, the, the younger talent, I really think they, you know, they need to they need to keep and, you know, mold and, you know, run it from there. It's, you know, it's crazy. I mean, like you said, they couldn't find something for Crimson. The guys, the guys are a good wrestler, a good size. I'm sure they could have, you know, done something with them. And, you know, then they, they just up and get rid of all these people. It's just, it just seems crazy. Yeah, I just, I mean, it's, I, I just don't understand it, you know, and I don't, I wonder what's going on behind the scenes. I mean, and, and I do think that part of the problem, and again, you you know, you can't – I get showcasing the younger guys, but you can't – there has to be some name recognition. So I get you got to bring in some stars. So whether it's a, a Jeff Hardy or, or you keep a Hulk Hogan as as the GM, but they, you know, you, you want to keep someone that at least help with that, that name recognition. Um, but, you know, showcasing the youth, 
it is definitely a way to to go uh you know new fresh faces um i i think one of the problems with tna especially when they bring in some of these established stars is they're not coming in with a sense of urgency and they're not coming in with this you know i don't think when a guy like jeff hardy or an rvd when they came over to tna now but i think kurt angle was a little bit different but these other guys, these other guys who, who made a name for themselves in the WWE, they came over to TNA. I don't get the impression that they come over there and they're bleeding TNA, that they're proud TNA wrestlers, and they're, they're there to put TNA on the map. These guys are coming over for a paycheck and a lighter schedule. And I do think that's part of the problem, that as much as you have guys going to airports and saying, oh, people don't know what I'm doing, I think it goes both ways. I think some of the talent is like, all right, you know, I can I can make some money, I can get on TV, and uh, you know, have an easier schedule in the WWE. So, you know, you, you do need like in showcasing younger talent, you got those those hungry guys that you know maybe they they want to put TNA on their back and and push the company as far as they can go. Uh, some of the established stars, I don't think they have that urgency to really make TNA a household name. Right. Uh, also, I understand on the rumor the, the, on the rumor front, uh, I'd like to get uh, Dave's opinion on this and then your opinion as well, Ken. Uh, on the rumor front about Sting, um, I guess there's some kind of rumors that, you know, he might come to the WWE. They don't know what's going on. Uh, but in your opinion, if he comes to the WWE, do you think they'll give him uh, a schedule like similar to RVD? Will he be like a temporary guy? Will they just bring him in for WrestleMania 30 against The Undertaker? Or will they give him something full-time? Um, well, we spoke about it a lot on last week's show. He's certainly not going to work full-time. He doesn't work full-time with TNA. He works TVs, and, you know, he did the overseas tour in the U.K. because they needed his help, you know. Um, but he's certainly not going to work full-time. He doesn't work full-time now. Why would he want to go work full-time for Vince? I mean, you know, that's the, that's the whole point of him working with TNA. And like Ken said, most of these guys that, you know, have name recognition, like a Kurt Angle, too, although Kurt Angle works a lot more than Sting does. But, um, you know, Undertaker, we talked about that, too, last week. It's going to, you know, it, it's it, – people want to see it, but, you know, I, I'm not too intrigued. I'm intrigued by it enough that the fact that it would happen, but, you know, as far as, you know, the actual outcome of the match, there's no intrigue of it because, you know, Sting's a – Sting's a foreign guy in WWE land, and Vince McMahon certainly does not put enough emphasis on guys that he didn't create, and he's certainly not going to give the streak to some someone that he did not create and help become a star. You know, and other companies did that, mainly, you know, Jim Crockett promotions and WCW with Sting. Um, he'll probably have a light, you know, a lighter schedule. Um, there'll probably be a lot of, you know, merchandising, you know, uh, the points in his contract with, you know, you know, uh, they'll probably sell the mask, with the face paint, and you know they'll put a DVD out on him because they have a, they have virtually his entire wrestling career, with the exception of TNA, in their library, um, and of course the Hall of Fame induction too. So um, I don't know if he would be um, just for WrestleMania 30, but it wouldn't surprise me if he had like a, a deal similar to like Jericho or Brock Lesnar, even you know, work X amount of days, get X amount of dollars. This is what you get in your contract. If you work more, we got to pay you, you know, 
if you agree to it, we got to pay you this, that, and the other. So, but he's definitely not working a full time schedule. He can't hold up a full time schedule now in TNA, and they 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 run less events than WWE does. There is no way he would work a full time schedule in the WWE. As most as, as much of a full time schedule he would work for them would be during the WrestleMania push. If he were to be signed and they have a match set for him, then he would be more full time during WrestleMania season than any other time during the calendar year in the WWE. Oh, okay. Well, maybe I should have rephrased. Maybe I should have rephrased that and said, "Do you see him? Do you see him maybe like making more appearances?" Because um, I know, like, we haven't really seen RVD yet, and uh, hopefully, he'll be showing up soon. And uh, you know, if Sting shows up in WWE, then hey, that'll, you know, that'll be great. I think it'll be uh, good for the fans to see Sting, you know, battle some of the stars in WWE. And, uh, Ken, one one more quick thing uh, before I go. You had mentioned something about how you would like to see some of these organizations grow and, you know, make Vince a little bit worried. Uh, in my opinion, I think WCW was making Vince worried. And what happened? He bought them. ECW was, I think, I, I think in my opinion, I think ECW was making Vince worried, and he bought them. So it's one of those things where if you make Vince McMahon worried about his program or his product, he'll just buy you out. Yeah, I mean, it's it's a good point. I mean, and, and those companies did make him worried, but I, I'm also, you know, whether he buys them out or not, um, you know, look back, like WCW made Vince worried, and how great was it to be a wrestling fan while Vince was worried about WCW? And Look, the chips fell a certain way, and, and creative in WCW kind of dropped the ball over the the long haul. And uh, but you know WCW was beating the WWE. So I mean, you know, I I, I agree with you. It, it may wind up being short term, uh, and Vince would eventually win and buy out whoever uh, threatens him. But at the same time, it would be fun for us as wrestling fans to see uh, companies kind of duking it out for control of the wrestling landscape once again. But I don't see it happening. Um, Especially right now with what you you see going on with uh, companies like ROH and TNA, um, it's going to be a long time before any company uh, makes Vince uh, even remotely worried. So uh, we'll see what happens. Mr. Trivia, thank you so much for the call. We'll talk to you soon. All right, guys. Take care. Thank you. Bye-bye. And it's interesting, you know, with the Sting thing, I mean, I kind of – you know, I, I honestly don't think he's coming to the WWE. It's fun for, like, talk show fodder and, and, and speculate and, and how they'd use him. And, and, you know, look, if TNA folds and the guy needs a paycheck, you know, maybe we, you know, that that can change a man's priorities in a hurry. But uh, I don't know. I, I just, I, I don't see it happening. I just, I, I think it, it might be interesting for him to toy with and maybe uh, the WWE will make a, a push at him, but... I don't know. It's just like a big part of me. that's like I. I don't know. I don't. I don't see him coming over. So we shall see. Fun stuff. We're talking. We're talking TNA today, and uh, we, you know we don't have a show that often. That's that's almost entirely dedicated to TNA. But uh, unfortunately, it's it, there's there's a bit of the negative going on. But we're going to continue to discuss uh, what can you do to fix TNA. Speculate. Uh, come up with ideas. Uh, talk about what's going wrong. What can they fix? And we're going to keep hitting that. On the in the second hour, we also have a uh, we got Dank on the line. He's being very patient. We're going to get to him right after the news. Three four seven eight three eight nine eight one five. It's a fixed TNA show today. What do you do? 
What are your thoughts on, on fixing TNA? Give us a call. We want to hear from you, your thoughts and opinions on this subject. But for now, we're going to take a break because it is time for the 50-50 Day 5 News Report. Thank you very much, Ken. This is the Day 5 News Report, only heard at the top of the hour every Sunday night here on the Ken Reedy Show. Our top story this week, according to PWInsider.com, rumors of former Ring of Honor talent, the Briscoe brothers, Jay and Mark, heading to the WWE have been running rampant since their departure from Ring of Honor a few weeks back and have now raised speculation even higher when both wrestlers were spotted in attendance in the audience sitting at a WWE house show in Ocean City, Maryland last night. Sources in the WWE state that the brothers have not come to terms on a contract with them and belief within Ring of Honor that they will return to the promotion at some point if they are not picked up by either two big either big two promotions. With that being said, it could be a while we see the Briscoes in action at all in any wrestling company as Jay and his wife are expecting another child shortly. In some Positive TNA news this week. SkyVegas.com has released a TNA-themed slot machine game that fans in the U.K. and Ireland can gamble on. The game is a casino-style game that requires wagers. There are bonus games, including one featuring the knockouts. SkyVegas.com is also offering a free demo game to play before signing up. Head over to SkyVegas.com for more information. According to the Wrestling Observer, several WWE officials were upset with CM Punk for tweeting backstage during a live Raw telecast about how good the Chicago Blackhawks Boston Bruins Stanley Cup Finals game was on June 24th. Several officials have gone as far as to blame Punk for the low rating of that particular episode of Monday Night Raw. Former WWE United States Champion, MVP, otherwise known as Montel Vontavious Porter, went to Twitter this week to correct rumors that TNA has reached out to him about a possible contract. MVP has gone on record in recent months stating he would like to make a return to TV but didn't specify, specify in what manner until this week as he announced that he has come to terms with Liongate TV on a production deal. Porter went on record stating he did not pitch a reality show and there are no details regarding this deal that he signed with Lion Gates Television at this time. And in our final news piece this week, not a very surprising story for Ken Reedy Show fans as well as us, but our favorite personal punching bag of the Ken Reedy Show, one WWE 2011 Hall of Famer Sonny is back in the news again. And it's not very positive either. Recently she got out of jail in Connecticut, she talked about how she wanted to move to New Mexico, get her massage therapy or chiropractor degree. Well, she's back at it again, but not in those, not in that profession, of course, where bread is buttered in the wrestling profession. Sonny posted on Facebook this week, hey, Sonny fans, this is your chance to get under the covers with me. At the Legends of Ring Convention on October 5th, 2013, I will be offering special photo ops. Your choice for $50. You get to have your photo taken laying next to me in bed. And for $75, you can have your photo taken spooning. I can't believe she just said that. Or with me lying my head on your chest. Was I your teenage crush? 
Now is your chance to make that dream a reality. Pre-sale tickets will be offered soon. And, yes, I will be wearing a little item from my lingerie drawer. <laughs> Just to let all you fans know, if you do make it into attendance there, I heard that if you're waiting in line, they do give out condoms for free. So it's not any extra charge if you get the $50 package or the $75 package. <laughs> all right. Me TV, Friday nights at 11 p.m., Wrestling on Fire. The host of this show, Ken Reedy, along with Ray Ray Mars, call all the action for Wrestling on Fire. Me TV, Friday nights, 11 p.m. And the illustrious return of one El Rotundo Genioso. Apparently, Steve-Off has found the whereabouts of El Rotundo Genioso. Check out The Gun Show, Season 9, at YouTube slash The Gun Show Web TV. And, folks, Fantasy Sports has taken the sports world by storm. Well, now... Fantasy Wrestling is taking the wrestling world by storm. Check out RealFantasyWrestling.com for all the information for your opportunity to win some cash or just play for fun. It's RealFantasyWrestling.com. Check it out right now. And there you have it. That, my, that, my friends, was the Day 5 News Report, only heard here on the Ken Reedy Show every Sunday night at the top of the hour. Ken, back to you. Wow. You know, I, with this whole Sunny thing, I mean, is it just me or she's really – I mean, this is like – a half step away from Hooker. She's a whore. I, it's right there. I mean, you know, pay a fee to get in bed with me. I just, I want, you know, I want to see if I can, like, maybe spend less money. And I just want to watch this fiasco. I want to see <laughs> a room, like, have a room with a window on it that we you could you can buy tickets to just watch this fiasco, watch the the types of fans that, that spend the money. And you know, once she's putting this out there, any wrestling fan that's going to go in there, oh, they're anting up the extra 25 bucks to get in there and spoon. And I, I, <laughs> you know I what they shouldn't do? Watch you remember that movie Porky's when they had the guys that poked the holes in the, in the, in the gym locker room to see the chicks? They should have that for people. They should pay money to, to, to look through a peephole to watch this debacle. I just, man, I like, wow. I mean, what, I mean, the thing is, like, obviously, somewhere along the line with where her career and everything is gone, she realized that she can't make uh, 50 bucks on just uh, selling an autograph, so she, uh, wow, I just, I can't uh, imagine, I, again, I just, I want to go to this Lens of the Ring just to see who's online for this, like, this is, uh, wow, well, all the best, Good, good luck with that. Sunny and uh... <laughs> you know you know what they're probably going to do. That would be the best if they really want to make some serious money on this. She apparently has a reputation for the amount of men that she has been with in the wrestling industry. If they turn this into like you know you know how you go to the beach or like carnivals or whatever, you get your picture taken like you're in the wild west with the guns and the cowboy hats. What if they had like costumes and the gimmicks of like all the guys that she has slept with? And then you get to choose if you want to be like Shawn Michaels or like one of the Body Donnas or or Sabu because I know she had some going on. <laughs> <laughs> that would be you know anyone who's listening, anyone out there who decides they wanna they wanna you know purchase this this Sunny uh, package, or whatever you want, oh, you can purchase tickets. Please, please. You know, dress up like like former wrestlers that that she's been rumored to have relations with, and and take lots of pictures. I, I you know, and this is again when we do this show, like this is 
one of the things we love about the wrestling business, you know, just when you think it can't get any weirder, you know, there you go. Like, uh, you know, paid spooning. I mean, and is this going to start a trend? I mean, are we going to have, you know, at next year's Legends, is, is May Young going to be selling tickets to, to Spoon? Who knows? Is this a, a new trend in uh, wrestling conventions? It remains to be seen. But, uh, yeah, wow. Okay, we got to get off that. And uh, let's get off. Somebody's going to be getting off that. Three four seven eight three eight nine eight one five is a number to call. Again, being positive here, we want to fix TNA. Lots of stuff going wrong, lots of bad news coming out of the TNA camp this week. How do you fix this company? What are your thoughts as a wrestling fan? Do you fire Hogan? Do you keep Hogan on? More Hogan, less Hogan, younger guys, older guys. What do you do? X Division, knockouts. What do you want to see happen in TNA? We want to hear from you. 347-838-9815 is the number to call. And without further delay... It is time for the one and only Dank. Are you there, Dank? I am here. How are you gentlemen doing? All right. How are you? What do you got for us tonight? Um. Well, actually, surprisingly enough, I'm going to keep it with TNA because I usually seem to be the one guy that tries to bring everything to WWE chat. But um, uh, my thought would be, what if? Because it seems like the company did very well when it was based out of Universal Studios here in Orlando. Um, maybe, like, not knowing a lot of history of it, it seems like they started a lot of problems when they started taking the show on the road. What if they settled back to, like, not necessarily back here in Orlando, but their home days just to go back to their roots, basically. Like, this is where we are. You have to come to us. But in the same instance, think of all the money they would be saving with travel expenses and moving everything around. Do you think that would be a viable idea? I mean, I think it's an idea that they they may have to look at. I mean, I think for most of us, we're kind of, which is funny where how things have have turned around. I think most of us thought that this is a step in the right direction for uh, TNA to get out on the roads and and the uh, and uh, visit different cities and uh, you know perhaps get into different markets. Uh, the one problem that I, I think we were seeing a lot of when they were in the impact zone was you know you had a lot of the same people going. You had a situation where you know and we had a friend our friend pat crowley who went to uh an impact taping once and he said like a lot of the people that go to tapings are, are just going in to get out of the heat they're not even wrestling fans just trying to grab bodies to fill seats and uh so there are a number of shows that you know when you're looking on tv it was almost like the uh the crowd was apathetic which uh almost translated to the talent being apathetic and then it became a vicious cycle that uh and it wound up making for uh, not so great TV. So, you know, as far as cost cutting, it's it's one of those things like, you know, not knowing what's going on within the company and, and their actual finances and, and how things are being planned out. Uh, you know, it's tough to really say exactly, you know, what they should do. But again, I thought moving out of the impact zone and getting on the road was a good move. But did they, did they put the car before the horse? Did they, were they really not in a place financially to attempt this, and they tried to do it anyway. 
Uh, these are the questions that I, I would be curious about. But I think right now, with what you're seeing out of TNA, um, again, I'm not the biggest proponent of them going back to the impact zone, but I think it's something that at least when the powers that be in that company discuss things, that, that that option has to at least be on the table. And I would rather them be able to keep certain talent. And if the cost-cutting maneuver was to go back to the impact zone, I'd rather keep talent and move back than have to fire really talented guys and, and stay out on the road. Uh, your thoughts, Dave, on moving back to the impact zone? Terrible idea, because then they're going backwards. I mean, we, I talked about earlier how they need to get their product out there and into you know, different markets. I mean, to me, like, they worked in a lot of these small towns, and you know. What the hell was that? Sorry, I I dropped ice. That was my oh, fault. Okay. It sounded like you threw up. So I'm glad it was you. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ! No, I went to grab ice and I dropped it. That was my fault. Okay. There you go. Come on, Dave. Uh, as I was saying, <laughs> um. I, I think it's a terrible idea. They go, they run these small towns, and you know, you read the reports for the house shows, and they, they nine times out of ten, they barely draw a thousand people. I remember reading the house show report like a couple of months back. They drew like four hundred people. Like it was, it, it was worse than the impact zone. And you know, I think that I'm no expert. I don't work for the company. I don't, I don't know anybody in the office over there. But it seems to me that when they because they're trying to get their name out there so bad and travel so much that they are trying to that they'll just they'll go to any city that's got a building that will take them, so to speak. You know, like know your markets, know where you are popular. You know what I mean? They're they're pretty popular here in the Northeast. They 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 sold out real well in Boston for the pay per view at Slammiversary. They've done real well in the New York area. You know, certain areas of Texas. Um, you know, know your know your markets, know your strong you know areas where you have strong attendance and strong viewership, and travel to those places. Almost make yourself a territory. You know, they do well overseas in the UK and in other countries. You know, in Europe, and they could run those tours there. But domestically here in the United States, you know, they'll run some little town you know in Sheboygan, Wisconsin, and nobody's ever heard of these guys before. But they'll draw like like three, four hundred people or whatever, and some of them might be from, like, other states that are just diehards traveling to see them because they're, they're close to them. You know, I think going back to the impact zone, it takes away from – they try to brand themselves as being the up-and-coming number one wrestling company in the world. Well, you can't be up-and-coming and number one if you're just located in one spot. You know, you got to travel around. I give them credit for, tra for for traveling around as much as they possibly can, but I would stick to the cities that they know really well. And like I said, treat that company like it's a territory, like it's special, and almost make like Doc like Doc made the point about you know have them have the audience come to them and being like in one remote location. Well, have the audience come to them of being in several different remote locations in big parts of their, you know, of, of where their viewership is, you know. If they're going to run a show at the, at the Hammerstein Ballroom in Manhattan and get like 3,500 people there, you know, Connecticut, New Jersey, Massachusetts, uh, Pennsylvania, You'll, you'll, you'll more than likely get an opportunity to have people travel from there, to, from those different states, to see them in if they were in the Hammerstein Ballroom in New York. And it will be, and they'll have a better opportunity at getting more people, you know, to to, to go to their shows. Um, yeah, that's just my theory on that. Sorry. 
No, I'm um, just saying that, that's that's just my theory. I I think I, I think it. I mean, you hear of other independent shows that draw more. Like for instance, I will bring up a point. Northeast Wrestling. They're a big, you know, independent promotion. They get a lot of names. Um, you know, I, I know some of the guys that work over there. The the Mid Hudson Civic Center in Poughkeepsie. They drew. Almost almost thirty five hundred people in there for 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 a live event that they did. TNA House Show drew eight hundred. Okay, the Micro Championship Wrestling, which is that midget wrestling organization that Hulk Hogan's got some money invested in. They had a show last night. I forget where it was. And granted, Goldberg made a special guest appearance with some other wrestlers. They drew four thousand five hundred people. You know, and, and TNA, I don't. There was somewhere down in Florida. TNA can't even draw a thousand on average for their house shows. It's, it, and you're supposed to be the second biggest wrestling organization in, in in the world, and you got a midget wrestling organization outdrawing you guys. I'm wondering if it's because they were also based. Like people think Orlando, and when people think Orlando, they automatically think. Disney World Parks, they think Universal Studios, they think all these theme parks, and the TNA was based in Universal Studios, and like Ken said, it was down to where it was people just trying to get out of the heat, or if it was downpouring, getting out of the rain, Orlando's not a big market. We, even like, if you look at it sports-wise, the only thing that they have professional team-wise is the Orlando Magic, and even they are the joke of the town. Exactly. Like, they suck. Like, we are not a big market city to where you can have um, a, a name like TNA and people will come. Like, you could buy a ticket to Universal Studios and if you wanted to, you could go watch a taping of the show. Like you said, Dave, if they were like – like, I was thinking big markets, like not necessarily New York City, but – how many people go to Vegas for, you know, just bring out a name there? You know, people go to Vegas, they know TNA's based out of Vegas. Hey, let's catch a show while we're in town, you know, and then see if based out of, like, a big market like that, then slowly spread out. I think that, like, they decide to go on the road based on the numbers that they had, but based on the numbers – from a small market, and they got literally like swept away once they realized that look, it, it was it was a bad call. Like I don't know, maybe like that's the way that I see it. I think that they were based out of the wrong town from the start. I think they should have picked a bigger market and have an independent spot above anything else, not located in a theme park, pulling people off the street, off the theme park, have, like, a permanent base, but a standalone, even if it's, like, a rebuilt warehouse. But for people to go there, it's because they're going there to see you. They know what they're going in for. There's not just some family from middle of Egypt that has never heard of you guys and is being and, – and, and thinks it's part of the theme park attraction. You know I, what I mean? I understand where you're coming from there, but if you, like I said, if you are branding yourself as the up-and-coming number one wrestling promotion in the entire world, and you base yourselves out of a goddamn warehouse, 
then it looks so bush league that nobody's going to want to watch your show, that they will think that you're a bunch of freaking liars. Like, you got, I mean, to make money, the old adage is to make money, you got to spend money. And it seems like they're doing that, but they're spending more money than they're making. They got to make, exactly. they might have to scale, they might have, but they might have to scale back a little bit at the same time while they're spending money. Because if they go back now, like if they go back to a remote location and, and basing their, their, their shows out of one remote location, whether it's Universal or some warehouse in the Bronx, nobody's going to believe in them. And people are going to – I really believe people would stop watching and be like, oh, you know what, they're never going to be as big as WWE. I don't think they'll be ever big, as big as WWE in general, but hardcore wrestling fans will just they, – they'll give up on it. They, they they will seriously give up on it if they if they scale back now. They've already they've already they've already jumped in the pool. You know what I mean? Now they got to learn how to swim. Yeah, it's almost yeah. like I mean, you can't unring that bell. And that the I, Dank, I think you bring up a real good point. It's almost like at this point TNA needs a time machine. If they planned everything out a little bit better and they went from, hey, we're in the impact zone and in, in, in a an amusement park and that's. You know, we're moving. We're moving out of this, and we have a new facility out in Las Vegas. And then we're there for a couple of years, and then decided, all right, we're going out on the road. Maybe that would have been a better plan uh, going forward, but it is difficult to kind of backtrack. I mean, I do think that right now, depending on, you know, whether it's the company going bankrupt or, uh, you know, moving into uh, uh, their own facility. I mean, I think it's an option, again, I think would have to be on the table. But I agree with Dave at that point, like once they move backwards, unless there's some serious uh, change in events going forward, uh, th- that'll just be what they are. They're not going to be an up-and-coming company. They're just going to be a company uh, in their own building, like a lot of other independent shows. But, uh, you know, I mean, it's just, I mean, First and foremost, and again, not knowing who's in charge is just advertising and, and promoting their brand and, and what they are. You know, uh, Tony put out there on, on the Facebook, like, how does uh, you know Micro Championship Wrestling get their name out there, and and TNA can't. You know, in this area, I mean, Dave, you, like, how many people in this area during WrestleMania weekend knew about PWS's show? How does how does PWS Get their name out there, and, and TNA can't. Like it's just someone, someone's dropping the ball as far as advertising goes, and and getting that brand name out because there are other independent promotions that don't have the resources that TNA does that are able to get their names out more effectively than TNA is, and that's to me for a company with that sort of talent, that's inexcusable. You got anything else for us tonight, Dank? Um, yeah, real quick, touching on that comment about, um, what was it, like, Sunny, you said, is now charging if you want to spoon with her? Would you like to spoon Sunny? Uh, no, but like Dave said, uh, if you wait in line, they'll give you free condoms. You know what, on that thought, if I ever get that desperate, I'll bring my own condom, but they better provide me with some free penicillin or insulin or something when I'm done. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> You guys have a good weekend. I'll see you tomorrow night on the thread. Oh, I think. Take care of yourself. Wow, we're we're just like brutal here on this show. But uh, yeah, I mean, you know, getting back to the TNA, I mean, it's interesting, and even stuff with uh, 
you know, uh, on the thread, and we got a nice uh, Facebook thread. Check out facebook.com slash the Ken Reedy Show. If maybe you're a little bit shy and don't want to give the show a call, you want your opinions out there, uh, head on over. There's a, a thread going on and lots of stuff going on about uh, TNA. But but Steve Token Munz actually put up there, Mickey James plugs TNA Impact on Twitter every time she'll be on, but the other guys don't. And that's... You know, again, that boils, that goes back to the whole idea that I think there's a lot of people in that company, a lot of performers that they don't bleed necessarily TNA. You know, they're they're there for the the lighter schedule, you know. And the proof is in need- the pudding. The, the, sorry to interrupt you, but you know that that's a great point that you know you make. But the proof is in the pudding when we're talking about rumors of Sting possibly going to the WWE, and he has publicly stated he'd love to work at WrestleMania while he's working for the while he's working for TNA. Kurt Angle said it a while back, too. Your, two of your biggest guys on the roster are publicly admitting that they'd love to go back at some point and have one final run with that big company, and Sting being his first run. And you're working for a company that's trying to get their name out there, and, you're, and you have these guys employed? Totally. I mean, I couldn't agree with you more. I mean, go, you know, pop on Twitter, like, during Impact and see how many guys that are working for TNA are actually – tweeting about what's going on on impact i mean uh you know again you need you need more guys that are hungry in that company that are willing to uh you know do what it takes to put that company on the map and and right now you you don't have it so i mean you know as we're sitting here talking about things i mean we're talking about look the positive we got is that the matches are solid and the in-ring work for that on that company is is very good um and i do think as far as that if you could put aside all Everything else. I mean, if you if you took all the matches over the course of a week that you'd you'd watch on TV, and and like listed you know the the best to the worst. I mean, I I would bet most of the time like Impact Wrestling matches would be littering your your top ten, and then you know the other guys would come after that. I mean, TNA put they put on quality matches. You got guys like Kurt Angle over there, Austin Aries that uh, just continually wow you in the ring. Uh, you know they're not going to put on bad matches, but it's it's the writing and and you know getting into that with the storylines. I mean, Dave, we were, you know, look, we're not those types. Again, there's a you know we're, we're we kind of try and set ourselves apart and and we're objective and we really kind of stick on the positive side of things. And when this Ace and Eight thing started, we were kind of optimistic and you know we're. we're at least curious and, and optimistic where they would go with this. Uh, we didn't jump on that whole, oh, they're just repackaging NWO bandwagon. Uh, we wanted to see where it was going to go. We liked the swerve with uh, Bully Ray. Uh, we liked what Bully Ray was bringing to the table. Um, so we're optimistic. And and like a lot of other storylines, where's Ace and Eights going? You know, what are they doing here? Where's this? I mean, we we you know, it's a motorcycle club. Why are we waiting weeks for this, like, grandiose vote on who's going to be the vice president? I mean, you guys are together each and every week. The whole club is together every week. You couldn't have held a vote yet for the VP? I mean, every week it's, you know, uh, you know, let's argue, argue, argue. Now, finally, next week we're going to have this vote for the VP. I mean, is this like... Are we going to start dissension in the ranks now? Is Ace Nate's going to begin to to splinter? But like again, the, the the VP thing seems to be drawn out for for no reason, and and now I find myself like, you know, every impact we have at least 
four or five segments, it seems, where they cut to the back and they're hanging out, drinking beer, and just doing the race and eight things, and then they go back out to what's going on in the ring, and it just it's gotten stale really fast, and it goes back to that whole idea of when you write a story, write the finale first and work backwards, and it seems like they wrote the beginning of the story, and, and that worked. And and the swerve and everything with Bully Ray, that, that all worked, and it was great, and how he got the title was great. And now we're at a point where it seems like, at least as as a viewer, that they don't know exactly where to go with this Ace and Eight storyline, and, and I find myself scratching my head now when Ace and Eight is on my TV screen, Dave. Yeah, absolutely. You know, here's one point that, you know, just popped up while you mentioned that. You know, they they stripped D'Lo Brown of his patch and his cut, but they made him, you know, the Aces and Eights, you know, the errand boy, and he's disappeared. They have – did you kick him out of the group? Like, there was no, like, formal, like, goodbye. Like, they – I mean, granted, I could have cared less because I thought D'Lo Brown was a terrible choice as a vice president to begin with, but – You've already got people invested into him as a character in some fashion, you know, if it's small. And you basically, without, you know, there's no explanation. He's gone. Like, for a while he was washing your bikes and he was getting you guys ice for your beer. And now all of a sudden he's disappeared. There was no explanation as to, like, why he's gone. Or, like, did you finally kick him out? Did he not earn his patch and and his cut back? You know what I mean? And here's another thing, too, that you and I discussed recently, you know, this afternoon before we came on the air that, you know, I think our viewers, you know, should know. As far as, like, you know, this past Thursday, you know, they had this whole reveal last week that Austin Aries was the guy behind suicide, but he attacked the real suicide who happened to be T.J. Perkins, and then this kid T.J. Perkins is shown on television, Hogan's endorsing him, and, you know, then the Aces and Aces kind of bully him around, but then Hogan comes back out and he punishes Austin Aries by putting him in a three-way match with Saban, and the new T.J. Perkins' new name is Manic, and they change the name, they change him to Manic, but they put him in the same costume and they put him with a mask on. You already saw what the guy looked like underneath the mask a week ago. There's no intrigue now in in the Suicide character, or I'm sorry, Manic. Excuse me. The, the Manic slash Suicide character was all about. Who was under the mask over the past few years? You know, who, who's playing this guy? You know what I mean? And there was some intrigue in it, a little bit, a very, very, very little. In fact, the suicide character was derived off of a, a, an option on the TNA video game about five years ago, and then they decided to turn it into an actual character on television. But it it doesn't make any sense. Like in wrestling, when a guy wears a mask, there's always that intrigue. Who could be under that mask? Or like, you know, there's 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 a, a mystery about it. Now there's no mystery. This guy showed up on TV last week, unmasked, beaten up, his his costume stolen, and then you bring him back the next week under a new name. You're supposed to reveal him, you know, the new and improved, and he's manic. But you give him the same costume, you put a mask over his face. We all know what he looks like now. Who cares if he's wearing a mask? You know what I mean? Like, I don't get it. Like, it just didn't make sense to me. You know, like, and I understand. I heard some rumors that, you know, that that a lot of, you know, uh, parents were upset with the suicide name. It's probably because of the epidemic of teenage suicide these days because of bullying and this, that, and the other. I understand why they changed the name. But he's got the same costume on, just without the name that says suicide on it. Like, there's no, like, why should I care? 
You know, no direction, no rhyme or reason. And, you know, in wrestling, like, why would you allow somebody else to change your name? You revealed him as T.J. Perkins, and now all of a sudden Hulk comes out and is like, well, I've changed his name to Manic. Well, why did you change his name to Manic? And why would he allow you to change his name? He, last time I checked, he's a big boy. He can, you know, he can handle himself. That's, you know, in, in, that's why he's in wrestling. He fights, you know what I mean? It's just Stuff like that just doesn't make sense to me. I just don't understand it and get it. Yeah, great. I mean, you know, they like, why not? And again, that, that boils down to that whole, you know, Hey, we start something off. We don't know how to finish it. I mean, if they were going to go this route, then why not let him just wrestle as TJ Perkins? I mean, at, at that point, like th- that gimmick is done. You know, you, you put him back in the mask. I mean, it. You know, it, it. You're right. It just didn't make any sense. I mean, again, have some forethought. You're going to take him out of that costume. You're going to pull this whole Austin Aries thing and dressing up like, like suicide. And then you, you know, with parental pressure, you have to get rid of the gimmick. Well, then just get rid of the whole gimmick. You've unmasked him. The intrigue is gone. Unmask him. So it, it's again like that whole like you, you want to get into TNA and you want and again like a guy like Austin Aries. I mean, tremendous in ring competitor. You know, a guy that like you know, all right, he's wrestling. You're totally into it, but then the storyline kind of pulls you out a little bit because it's 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 tough to focus on it. And you brought up a good point with the D'Lo Brown thing. You know, if you wanted to build Ace and Eight as you know the most ruthless dominating faction in wrestling well and their motorcycle club and you know look there's there's the one percenters i get the whole thing not all motorcycle clubs are bad and i'm not saying that but you know the 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 uh, uh opinion or how they're they're presenting asinates they're, they're a badass rule-breaking type motorcycle club you know they're they're a motorcycle gang you know they're they're badasses they, they don't take anything from anybody so they 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 take Delos patch away. Now if they were going to do this again, the forethought. He's gone now. He has faded away for whatever reason. Why not just have when they took his patch, have the entire Ace and Eights club beat the holy hell out of Delo as he's unpatched, that he is just absolutely decimated by the entire club to the point where he's taken out of the ring on a stretcher, and then we don't see D'Lo again. You want to put this group over as a bunch of badasses, all we're seeing out of them is, look, they come down, it seems like every week, and they gang up on, they try and interfere in some matchup, um, or they're, they're bickering about VP like a bunch of girls in the back. That's what we're seeing out of Ace and the, the The baddest faction on the planet and you got a great figurehead in Bully Ray, and he is tremendous, and he's got a lot of talent. I mean, there's some talent in this faction, but why why not just have this group absolutely kill D'Lo? If you're going to pull him off TV, if he's going to disappear, just give us a reason why we're not seeing him, and then that would be that would be fine. And if he ever came back against Ace and Ace, he actually would be relevant. Um, but to me, it's like, all right, have him just absolutely destroy D'Lo Brown and cart him off in a stretcher. That would work, which leads us to, like, another tied in with the uh, Ace and Eights. So, of course, Ace and Eights, their grandiose plan this week is, what if there's no winner? And, of course, there's going to be a winner because the main event mafia comes out to ensure that we see a winner winner in the triple threat X Division matchup. And we have main event mafia that as Sting came out and said, I... And mad at the locker room that left me on my own to fight 
all of Ace and Eights. I can't believe TNA left me on my own. That locker room left me. So I'm going to start a family of people that were in that locker room that left me alone. I mean, seriously? And I, and I like the whole Ace and Eights thing, and I, and I think it's like, you know, the group in and of themselves, uh, it's it's cool. It's a good group. I like the addition of Magnus. I think that works. But, again, creatively speaking, why put that line in the promo of him ripping on the locker room and then put together a group of all people that were in that locker room? It, it makes no sense to me, Dave. Absolutely. I mean, we said this, you know, when they, when they talked about the the formation of the main event mafia before he even revealed any of the members. You know, most of those guys from the original group were, you know, with the exception of Joe and Angle, were were gone. Scott Steiner no longer with them. You know, Booker T in WWE, Nash, you know, working the Indies on WWE Legends contract. There's, I don't know. I couldn't see how it worked. You know, if he didn't say that and he brought these guys in, okay, I understand. But I just, I don't know. I mean, I shake my head. I, I, I love wrestling. I, I'll never give up on, you know, stuff like this. I'll never say that, like, oh, I'll never watch it again. I'm not like one of those fans where they, you know, oh, it's just crap. I'm never watching it again. But then they'll watch the file and we can say the same exact thing. It's not like that at all. But I'll be perfectly honest with you. I do fast forward a lot of my DVR watching impact um because there really isn't a whole lot that comes out uh, at you they have their moments where they do something that you know will awe you or you'll get really excited about but then like really quickly it just gets like taken away from you you know and i just i don't i don't understand why there's no consistency there because they have all the talent in the world and you know here i'll bring up another point too and i i i i, I learned this from uh from, from shane helms uh, from speaking with him over the years, you know, he had told me that, you know, he gained a reputation in the locker room with some of the agents as being difficult to work with, but not because of his attitude, but the fact that he had a hard time taking advice from guys who didn't draw money. Like, for instance, like guys like Dean Malenko used to be his agent for matches. And Dean Malenko, great wrestler, technical wrestler, but he had, he had about as much charisma as a doorknob. And he said that he had a hard time believing, you know, certain things that he said when it came to drawing money and planning out your matches and stuff like that. TNA, there's certain ages. They have Al Snow, D'Lo Brown, um, Simon Diamond from the original ECW. With all due respect to those guys, and they're, 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 they're talented performers, but they really didn't draw any money anywhere. Like, if you want your company to be successful, I look at guys that you should have you know, you should draw money with. Like, Dusty Rhodes for years used to be a road agent with WCW if he wasn't booking, the, you know, the product. And look how successful they were. I mean, WWE has Arn Anderson, one of the best guys in the wrestling business. Pat Patterson, who was at one time a headliner in the AWA and the original WWWF. You know what I mean? Guys that have been the top that draw money, I think, are good for those agent positions. Other guys that mid-card guys really hadn't done too well, if, unless you're like a good hand in the ring and the in-ring product itself. But storytelling and this, that, and the other, you need guys that have been at the top that are going to help this help these talents 
take this company to the next level. And I don't think, in my opinion personally, that D'Lo Brown, Al Snow, and Simon Diamond, of all people, are those guys that are going to help TNA take to the next level. If you've got a guy like a Dusty Rose, or you've got a guy like an Arn Anderson, or a Ted DiBiase, you know what I mean? You know, those guys, you know, then that's great. You have... The, like you said earlier, the most recognizable name in the wrestling business in Hulk Hogan. And how are you, you know, not successful, you know, with, with, with some of your talent? You know, maybe, I mean, I don't know, maybe it's Hogan. Maybe Hogan lost his touch. I don't know. I just don't get it. All the resources are there, and they still put out the same product that they put out. And they have so much potential to do so much better than what they are doing. And it frustrates a lot of wrestling fans, including myself. I'll never I, – I don't think we'll ever see the Monday Night Wars ever again. That's what most wrestling fans want nowadays. They want to see that, that relive that magic again. That will never happen. But I'd like to see TNA be on a competitive level where they're selling out arenas everywhere they go, and their talent is wrecking. You know what I mean? Like, I would bet you that most of the talent in TNA, unless you were not a wrestling fan in an airport, most of that talent is walking through the airport without getting noticed. I truly believe that. Unless you've, unless you've drawn money with the WWE, I think guys like the AJ Styles and the Bobby Roods and the Christopher Daniels, those guys, with all due respect to them, they are talented, hell of, a, you know, hell of performers in their own right, each of them. But I don't think that they are getting mobbed for autographs like guys like in the WWE have been. Yeah, and the thing is, like, you know, there was a time, even though, you know, it was never really a competition, but there were times where wrestling fans would say, you know, TNA is better than the WWE. I prefer Impact over Raw or SmackDown. I mean, there were times right now, I mean, it's it's not even close. And you just, you think somewhere along the line, whether it's getting uh, someone who knows how to draw money in the front offices, better writers. But I think what we're learning, we're having this, this conversation tonight, is that there's there's a lot wrong right now. And the powers that be in TNA need to really take a good, hard look in the mirror Think about what direction they want this company to go in and, and make some significant changes where there needs to be changes. 347-838-9815. We're going to go out to the calls. Call, are you there? Yeah, I'm here. What's going on, Ken? Not much. How are you doing? Doing good, man. Doing good. What do you got for us? Well, for those who don't know, this is Steve Off, BWO and NWA star, and... You know, I just wanted to chime in on the TNA talks just because I've been involved in the gut check voting and, you know, a lot of what you said I do agree with, you know, and a lot, you know, maybe not so much, but bottom line is something needs to be done or that company is kind of doomed. I mean, they just fired, what, five or six people, you know, had one or two quit maybe. I mean, somebody from the front office I think left. You know, what is it going to take for somebody to save this company? That's what I'm wondering. I mean, they've got the money, like you said, they have the resources and, you know, it pains me to see that, you know, like you said back in the day, people would say, you know, I like Impact more than Raw. And now, you know, I don't even know if there's a big fan base for that. And, you know, the product is still good, but it's just, it, you know, it's not what it once was. And, you know, I, I think something needs to change. I think maybe there's too much focus just on that main event picture, and there's really nothing to fall back on. They don't have a tag team division, let's face it. They don't have an X division. The women's division is pretty good, but, you know, they, the X division and the cool tag teams, that's what put them on the map. You know, sure, the main event team is always kind of cool, but, you know, in my opinion, anyway, the, those two things to fall back on, your mid-card, your X division, your tag team division, 
And, you know, there were times where the X Division used to be the freaking main event on pay-per-view and, you know, AJ Daniels and Joe, that phenomenal match they had. You know, you need something to fall back on. You can't just have your, your main events be good. Like, that's like um, like WWF back in the, like, late 90s, not late 90s, but mid to going into the late 90s where you had Shawn Michaels and Bret Hart having these awesome matches. And then you had, like, Max Moon and uh, Damian Demento and guys who, you know, no disrespect to them, were not main event talent or even solid mid-card talent. They were undercard guys. And, you know, same thing with WCW. You know, with um, you know, the Cruiserweight division was awesome. And, you know, you had your, your main event guys, but then that got kind of stale. But you always had the, the mid-card to fall back on. You need to have a little bit of everything. That's my opinion anyway. I don't know what you guys think of that. But, you know, without... Yeah, I mean, I think that they, you know, again, you have ace and eights that are kind of strung through, you know, I mean, mm. they, in multiple segments throughout the show. And, again, I, I'm i not one of those guys that fire Hogan, but you know, maybe scale no. back how often he's, he's on TV. Um, I, I'm curious, though, someone like you who's, who's in the business and, uh, you know, you're involved in the Gut Check Challenge and uh, you see what's mm-hmm. going on. Do, do you think there's going to be a change? I mean, do you think that there, there are the resources there that they'll they'll right this ship and start moving in the direction? Or do you think that this is a sinking ship right now? I pray that they can turn it around. I really can't say one way or the other because, you know, I'm not there. I haven't worked there, unfortunately. I don't know what goes on behind the scenes. But a company that, no disrespect to them, let go Jay Lethal and Homicide, that should say all that needs to be said right there. Uh, I mean, you know, maybe I'm a little biased because I know them going way back, but, you know, those guys, you know, I'm glad Jay's in Ring of Honor. I know Homicide's doing the indie thing. You know, but for a guy like Jay Lethal, to whether he quit or whether they fired him, whether you, you know, one way or the other, you let him walk away. And to let a guy like that who carried your X Division as like a five or six or eight or 12-time champion walk away, it's just like, dude, really? A guy with that wide of a spectrum to go from being a comedy character with the black machismo, you know, comedy slash tribute to the Macho Man, to to like a, a serious guy who took down Team 3D pretty much by himself and, you know, took back the X Division when they did that whole thing. You know, a guy like that to let him walk away, that just says something. And I like TNA. I think they're a good company, maybe even a great company. But just go to the thing. That right there is one example of what's wrong. Let a guy like that walk away. Let a guy like an Alex Shelley leave. I mean, I think that was, was more his decision, but I really don't know. I mean, but one way or the other, you let the guy walk away. You let Homicide walk away. Like, I got to question the logic there. So I hope something can change. They could put, you know, get the priorities straight and not just put them on the one belt the only belt that means anything, the world title, but make your mid-card mean something. Make your X-Division, your tag team mean something. You know, you got your heavyweights and your women, and that's great, but they got nothing else. And they have the talent there to have it, but they just don't put emphasis on it. I think that's a main problem. I hope it's righted, and, you know, it definitely can be. It's not too late, but, I mean, only they know the answer to that. And and it's weird how things have evolved there because a lot of the criticism that we had thrown and a lot of fans had thrown towards the WWE was the fact that, you know, there was little to no emphasis on their secondary belts. And it, mm-hmm. and it, seemed, like, it seemed like TNA was actually doing it right and, and the, yeah. the title mattered and the WWE was kind of dropping the ball with that. And it seems as of late as the WWE has seemingly at least moving in the right direction where those secondary titles are at least meaning a little bit more, and there's a little bit more prestige, that TNA's moved in the exact opposite direction and has kind of mm-hmm. pulled away from those secondary titles. If you have 
you know, like you have the main event, that's great. Where is your future talent going to come from? Are you going to keep using the same guys and bringing in former WWE names? Because you know what, to a point that works, but then when you look at your checkbook and say, hey, where'd all my money go? Or when you're bringing in profit, but it's, you know, maybe half what you expected, you know, all your money is going to those guys who, yes, are talented and can draw, but, you know, it's kind of like building an indie fed. You want your, like, two or three name established talents, but you also want guys that those talents can help bring up. And I think that's another, the other big problem with TNA is there's, besides AJ Styles, and I mean, I don't know if he even counts because he was in WCW, there's really nobody that they made a star there. You know, AJ and maybe Abyss, and, you know, even those guys, like you said, they probably don't get mobbed at airports, you know, like they should because they're talented dudes, but, you know, besides those two guys, I don't think they really made that many stars on their own. Everyone else they got from Ring of Honor or WWE, and, you know, there's nothing wrong with that, but at the same time, you've got to make your own stars. Agreed. And, and where, I mean, you know, they, again, like you said, they dropped the ball on, on uh, the gut check challenge. So where, where are these yeah. new stars going to come from? And they fired all the people who won their gut checks. So I don't know. <laughs> yeah, that's the thing. I mean, right now with what, what's happened with the gut check and, and, and you know, mm-hmm. we talked about it earlier on the show. I mean, like conceptually liked it. I thought it could be yeah. something really new and interesting, but you know, with with the voting issues they had online, and now that like you know guys who are in the gut check challenge are getting let go before really even getting much of a chance, mm-hmm. it's like what's what's the point now? I mean, even like when I was watching Thursday night and they did the gut check challenge, I was like, I, I really could care less. So like it doesn't matter whether yeah, he gets no because they're not going to give him much of a chance anyway. I mean, when the one guy is down in OVW or any of that kind of, you know, it kind of taints it a little bit. But, I mean, I like the idea of the segment, and I'm not crapping on TNA at all. I respect the place. I respect everybody there. But at the same time, yeah, how is the one of the runner-ups, like not even second place, but like fifth or sixth place, the big O, and the overall voting of their final thing going to get a TV match before the winner? I mean, I know they they didn't say, oh, the losers will never get a match. They didn't say the winner will get a match first. But it's just kind of assumed the guy who wins your contest, you know, now that you, it was legit, you fixed the bugs, you know, that dude that wins, how are you not going to give him the first shot? Agreed. It's just, you know, I don't know. It's a shame because, again, like I think the one thing that TNA has always had going for them is, is the, the wrestling in and of itself. A lot of talented guys over there and, you know, once mm-hmm. once that bell rings, as a wrestling fan, you're going to be entertained. It's just a lot of the ancillary stuff sur- surrounding things. So, Steve, it was great for you to give us a call. Thanks a lot and giving us a perspective of someone in the business. Why don't you tell everyone where you're going to be in the next few weeks if we want to come out and see you wrestle? I believe this coming Saturday I'm going to be wrestling in New Philadelphia for EHW. But they were having some issues with the building. I don't know if the show's going to wind up going off or not. They they pick all the wrong buildings to run in. Great product, but all the wrong buildings. There's nothing but problems. And the following week, I'll be doing a seminar for Monster Factory with Jerry Briscoe. I'm going to sign up for that very soon now that I just got paid. So, you know, that should be a fun experience and learn a couple things, if nothing else. And, you know, stay to check out the Monster Factory show that night. And then, you know, we'll see where we go from there. I'm booked on Sideshow Pro on July 27th. That's down in South Jersey. i got to get the exact info. Oh, that'll be on my Facebook page. But me and Preacher are going to be teaming up as the Saints of the Asylum. 
I don't know who we're going to be facing off against, but it really doesn't matter because when you put two crazy SOBs like me and him together, eh, no one's going to be able to beat us anyway. Awesome. Thanks a lot for the phone call. Looking forward to seeing you back in the ring, and, and best of luck with everything. Thanks a lot, guys. Thanks for having me. We'll talk to you soon, man. Our pleasure, Steve. Take care. And Steve Hoff, yeah, again, you know, it's cool, like, talking to someone in the business, and he's he's noticing it, and I think everyone's kind of, you know, optimistic because the talent's there. It's just, you know, some things really, really seriously have to change. And, you know, as we, we, we try, but as we run behind schedule a little bit late, but you know what it's time for. The Ken Reedy Show, not of approval. With just about four minutes left, we're going to keep this nice and quick, but uh, not our approval of something each and every week. We do this on the show, something you liked in the world of professional wrestling, and I'm going to keep it quick because I'm really amped for tomorrow night's debut of the Wyatt family, and it's kind of a collective nod for me over the past few weeks, but they've created quite a buzz. Uh, I'm excited to see what they're going to do. I, I'm looking forward to it, and it's rare that I, I'm that amped just to see someone's debut on, on any program, and I'm really excited to see what the Wyatt family has to offer this week. So, for me, the Wyatt family and their promos get my nod of approval. Dave, what gets yours? Uh, nothing that took place on TV this week, although I will agree with you. It's it's very exciting to see the Wyatts. They're going to debut. It gives you that old-school vibe in wrestling when they used to do vignettes and debut guys, and, you know, you would have some form of excitement. You know, in recent years, they would just throw a guy on TV and boom, with no hype, and then they expect the audience to get attached to him. This time they've done it right where they've had weeks and weeks of buildup. So I'm really excited for that. But as far as my nod goes, past uh, you know this past week on television, there really wasn't anything that excited me. But being the wrestling historian I am, and a lot of you know I watch a lot of wrestling. I have a lot of DVDs, and I like to watch a lot of the old stuff, the current stuff. And I collect for a lot of historical purposes. I have a collection that's insane that I, sh- you know, it's part of the reason why I don't have a girlfriend. But um, be that as it may, I picked up the War Games DVD this week, and it was awesome. If any of you wrestling historians out there are listening and you want to check out some awesome old school wrestling, you check out this War Games DVD. It's got. It's not, it doesn't have every single War Games match, but at the very first and how it started all the way till the end. And it, Dusty Rhodes hosts it. Some great matches with the Horsemen, the Road Warriors, Dusty Rhodes, um, Sting. Um, they even have, like, a couple different variations of War Games. There was one called the Tower of Doom where it was, like, three cages. Um, in the NWA, they had the last War Games with the Ready to Rumble cage. It was just an awesome DVD that brought you the history of the, the gimmick itself, how it was created, um, and the and the great matches that it that, that were produced from it, mainly, you know, to, to basically end a feud and to, you know, uh, put the exclamation point on a rivalry. It was just – I, I – I'm a huge War Games fan. I remember watching them as a kid, and to have this DVD now, it's probably one of the best-produced DVDs that the WWE has ever put out, in my personal opinion, with you know all the matches alone and, of course, Dusty's commentary. So it's an awesome DVD, and you should check it out. And, you know, I know we're running short on time. Maybe next week I'll give a little bit more of a perspective on the DVD if any of you are uh, interested out there, but I can't say enough good things about it. Very cool. So this week, the Wyatt family and... The War Games DVD get our nods of approval. 
The Ken Reedy Show, Nod of Approval. And there you have it, our nod of approval. We got about one minute left, and you know it's uh, it's one of those things we don't like to do. We don't like we really like to stay positive with the show. But there's uh, you know what happened this week in TNA it was just stuff that had to be talked about. Uh, if you do a wrestling talk show, stuff that needed to be talked about. But ultimately, to try and spin it all in a positive way, we're rooting for you, TNA. We really are. We we want to see you succeed. We want to see the ship righted. We we want, you know, we, we just want more wrestling. We want quality entertainment. So, you know, hopefully some of the stuff that happened is a wake-up call and we see uh, TNA turn things around because that's ultimately what we want, Dave. Yes, absolutely. I mean, you know, they go out of business, you know, that's one re- one less wrestling product that we get to watch and talk about in the show every week. So, please, we're, we're, we're behind you 100% TNA, if, you know, some of you in the office are listening. Yeah, I mean, just just... You know, use your use use what you have. Use your talent. Use your in ring performers. Uh, but hopefully, they write the ship. Great show tonight. Thank you all for listening in. We'll be back again on Tuesday night. Wyatt family debut. Looking forward to that. Check out facebook.com slash the Ken Reedy Show for the raw chat for tomorrow. For Dave, I'm Ken. Thank you all for tuning in. Good night. <laughs>